Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Whoa, whoa, hey, uh, Noah, what's going on, man? You uh, haven't said much over there for a little while. Oh, yeah, sorry, Mike. I've kind of been zoning out for the past, like, three hours listening to this podcast. Uh, you said three hours, you know, for, for a podcast? Oh, yeah. Um, It's these guys, fins up, fans down. They basically go back each week and, like, recap last week's game while they watch it whole lot of fun yeah but you said three hours i mean what do they even talk about in that time um you know like they give you news from the week they recap the game give their opinions give their thoughts they uh do predictions for next week's game yeah but they're they're not too knowledgeable but they're big fans but i could just listen to locked on and get all of that for like 20 or 30 minutes yeah you could or you could go to twitter slash Finns fans pod and follow the podcast or go to dolphinstalk.com or iTunes and listen. Is that Finns fans pod with a PHPH? I it just so happens to be. Wow, that's really crazy. All right, guys, listen, check out Fins Up, Fans Down. It's a podcast Noah and I do every week. Uh, admittedly, we go pretty long on the podcast, but uh, we have a hell of a good time doing it. And, uh, you know, follow us at Fins Fans Pod on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the show. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast of your coachless Miami Ooh. Dolphins. Happy New Year. I am Sam Marcoux. He is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Cullen. We are now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Chris, two-time Hall of Famer, how the hell are you, my friend? Oh, Sam, we talked off air, but um, I'm, I'm at my lowest point, man. <laughs> it's pretty fucking low right now to be a Dolphins fan, but... Uh, uh, the Miami Miracle um, was incredible, fantastic, and then we just uh, we just shit the bed, and it's just so dolphin that um, I don't know. I, I I don't know about you, Sam, but like now we fire Adam Gase, year three, been to playoffs, one out of those three years. I'm not saying I don't agree with the firing. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we'll talk about later, but it, here we go again. We're starting over. It's like a revolving fucking door. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of like the Miami Miracle was the last victory for the Adam Gase era here in the, in uh, in Miami. Um, I liken it to the fact that uh, imagine being broke, not hard for, for you or I to imagine, but imagine being broke and you can't pay your bills and then you stumble across a winning lotto ticket mm. and you're like, my troubles are over. And then three minutes later, you get hit by a fucking car and then pissed on by a dog in the gutter. That is how the Miami Dolphins 2018 season ended. I mean, we looked like we were dead in the water against the Patriots. The Miami miracle happens. Everyone's happy for a week. And then that was it. We didn't win another game. Uh, Adam Gase doesn't get to coach another season. Ryan Tannehill does not get the elusive victory in Buffalo as the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And the wheels just fell off. I mean, as as we reported uh, today, or as it's reported today, uh, not only is Adam Gase gone, not only is Chris Greer now elevated to not only the GM, but the president of football operations, but initial reports had Mike Tannenbaum being reassigned, and I assume that meant janitor, but uh, <laughs> turns out he's fired as well. So I, I, I think you can consider this a house cleaning. Um, 
right, wrong, or otherwise, which we're going to get into. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, we talked off air. I was pretty much done with the Miami Dolphins after that Vikings debacle. Um, and that was it. I mean, the, 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 I was I was pretty much done after the Colts loss, that fourth quarter lead that we blew. Uh, the Miami Miracle brought me back. But then the Vikings game brought me right back down to reality. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders at the rest of the season. I, I'd seen this movie before. I've read this book before, as I've said on this podcast before. Um, just another disappointing season for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, you said it perfectly. I've seen this movie before, and when I watch a movie on repeat, like uh, Infinity War, Avengers, or something like that, or Captain America Civil War, I watch it over and over again because it's good, and I like it. Like, I'm sick and tired. I'm not going to watch fucking Pulse over and over again, or some shitty-ass movie like Sherlock Holmes coming out with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. I'm not going to watch that more than once because it's bad, and I don't like watching it, so I don't understand why we do this with the Miami Dolphins because it's the same shit. Here's Ryan Tannehill having his chance. We're at home against Jacksonville. His one touchdown pass is a fucking shovel pass to Brandon Bolden. And then we um, go to Buffalo and he can't get off the schneid with that. We get blown out by Josh Allen. Kyle Williams is basically cartwheeling and throwing and catching passes when we know what's coming. And Gase still came out and jerked off Matt Burke. It was just like a, such a nightmare fucking season that uh, we started 3-0. and and we fittingly ended 0-3. It's the same shit. We need a new quarterback. We need a new coach. And um, you said it off air, Sam, our very first episode. Um, you want to go ahead and give the listeners uh, a little taste of what that was about? Yeah, the very first episode of Perfectville actually came out three years ago, and it was called The Case for Adam Gase. And it was actually the debut episode of Perfectville, and it was Chris and I talking about the new, brand new coach for the Miami Dolphins, one Adam Gase, back when he had hair and we had hope. <laughs> such optimism, such hope, uh, such um, genius, the word genius being thrown around and QB whisperer being thrown around. And uh, here we are three years later, Gase is uh, gone. There is rumors or a story being loosely reported by Armando Salguero that Adam Gase legit was screaming at Stephen Ross, proclaiming his knowledge of football was more than his and not to tell him what to do. And someone had to intervene and tell Adam Gase that's your boss and he owns this team and this stadium and multiple companies and real estate across the country and gays. Oh yeah. So, you know, Jeff Darlington has a pulse on the Miami, uh, even though he does it nationally now for ESPN, but he, uh, really just came out and said that this isn't a wins loss thing it was it was broken from the inside yeah and and i'm actually going to talk a little bit about stephen ross later in this episode because um i, I kind of came to the realization about stephen ross and on whether or not i think he's a good owner or not and i think my answer is going to surprise a lot of people mm. um given his track record here in miami i i don't have i don't think i have the opinion that a lot of other people have when it comes to stephen ross and i'll share that here in just a little bit my favorite part of everything you just said was that you mentioned that you were not going to watch a bad movie like Sherlock Holmes more than once, which to me is like, why would you watch it one time, Chris, if you already <laughs> know it's going to be bad? But that's the life Miami of being Dolphins a Dolphins fan. There yeah, you exactly. go. That's the life of being a Miami Dolphins fan. That's the life of being a citizen of Perfectville. And speaking of the citizens of Perfectville, as always, Chris, we got ourselves another five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And this one comes from TE Pop 84, or I guess tight end Pop 84. And this came in, uh, well, it came in last year, 2018. And it says, very good show, has lots of Dolphins information, but is not a Homer show. Well, 
There you go. Thank you yes, very much. We are not related to Matt Groening and The Simpsons. We are not a Homer show. We are not a Homer show. And, uh, you know, I think that's the majority of what people say about this show, Chris, is that we, we don't kiss ass when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I got a, a spot of hot water earlier this uh, week after Adam Gase was fired. I, I revealed the picture that uh, we've talked about a little yeah. bit on, off air. Only a couple people have seen it prior to, although I can tell you that the announcers who did that Bears-Dolphins game also saw that picture of um, a playbook. It was the offensive playbook for somebody who's currently still on the Miami Dolphins, and it was left in the hallway of uh, the Miami Dolphins facility. Now, there were people on Twitter who looked at that picture and said, this doesn't show any organizational, you know, um, malcontent or anything like that. I disagree because they said, well, this isn't out of place. Yes, it is, because where it was supposed to be is inside one of these traveling containers outside of the hallway. That travel container was wide open. And that travel container was wide open with an offensive playbook laying just out in the open for anyone and everyone to see. Um, and the reason why this is important, Chris, is I, I came across that playbook after my girlfriend did. She's like, is this? She doesn't watch football, by the way. She's a good sport. She came to Miami with me. She did all the Miami Dolphins stuff with me. And we're walking through the hallway and, and where we were supposed to be. We were giving a we were getting a tour of the facility. And she's like, is that supposed to be out? And I looked down and I'm like, that is absolutely not for public consumption. So, of course... I picked it up and took a picture of it, um, and, I, and I sent it to you saying, oh, my God, can you believe like how sloppy it is within this organization? Mm. And quite frankly, it's one thing if it's me because I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. It's one thing if it's you because you're a Miami Dolphins fan. We had Chicago Bear fans walking through those hallways. It could have very easily fallen into the hands of a Chicago Bear fan who could have picked it up, walked out of there very easily with that playbook. And shared it online or whatever the case may be. The other thing I noticed while going on that tour, Chris, was that all of the players' hotel information, dining information, everything was just up on a big screen for anyone and anyone to either take a picture of or at least see where they're staying. Again, you have Bear fans in there. You have whoever who could be walking through there and just go mess with the team or bother the team, even overzealous Miami Doll fans who, who could actually go to that hotel and try to get a picture or an autograph and just bother our players. It, uh, it, 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 to or me, even worse, go and hold them up at gunpoint. Like you're well, you're putting an X on the map for them. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I kind of look at it as something where either a don't let the fans have that much access throughout your facility if you have to have that stuff up or out, or b do a better job of cleaning up your bedroom, man. I mean, the, to me, that is something that from the top down stinks. Now, this is part of I don't know if it's considered football operations or not. I don't know if it's an Adam Gase issue. I don't know if it's a Mike Tannenbaum issue or if it's a Stephen Ross issue. But it is a Miami Dolphins organizational issue that these sorts of things happen. Now, again, mistakes can be made. And I don't think anything really happened because of these mistakes, but it's a small sample size of something that I'm easily able to look at and find and take a picture of and share with people what else is going on behind the scenes. As you just noted, we have shouting matches between the head coach and the owner. We've got, you know, a GM who doesn't really have any GM duties up until right now. The whole organization has kind of been a mess here over the last couple of years. And I think we gave too much power too soon to somebody like Adam Gase, who uh, I would go out on a limb and say is an offensive genius. He, he has some very creative plays. He's got some very um, interesting takes when it comes to football. I can appreciate some things about Adam Gase, but I think it was maybe a little bit too much too soon, which in this case, my opinion, Chris, and I'd love to hear your 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 opinion on this. I think the 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 divorce between Adam Gase 
and the Miami Dolphins needed to happen, and it's the best thing that can happen for both parties. However, I do think Adam Gase will have success elsewhere based on learning from this experience, and you'll see Miami Dolphins fans pissed off that he's going to go have success elsewhere somewhere down the line and then wonder about what could have been. But I don't think he would have that success if he continued to stay here with the Miami Dolphins. He's got to learn a lesson and then you know apply that later. Uh, what are your thoughts? No, I agree with you 99%. The only 1% that I don't agree with um, where he'd have success elsewhere is if he um, is too stubborn to learn from this. And he has proven um, through his backing of Ryan Tannehill and his friendship with Jay Cutler, um, his blind um, appreciation of Matt Burke and not really calling them out. Meanwhile, fire literally firing guys in the locker room and ending careers and getting rid of them from the team. Um, th- that stubbornness to not change his offense or do things differently, that – uh, it was the only thing that's going to hold him back, but I agree with you. He's he's going to move on. Uh, this was not the right situation for him. Anybody can look back at their first time ever getting that kind of power or if you move into a managerial position, and you'll look back and say, oh, my God, I would have done this, 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 and this different. I should have uh, coached a little bit more, been more sympathetic. Maybe they're having a bad day, or uh, maybe I could have been more flexible. And it, it, every, Everything's going to change for him. It's going to be interesting to see, um, and I agree also, it's, it's the best for our franchise. A couple of guys were upset publicly. Uh, Kenny Stills uh, had nothing but love for the Gates family after calling out somebody on Twitter that we both know. Yes. Um, and then um, <clears throat> Albert Wilson said he wished he could have had more than one year to show how much of a genius he was. And <clears throat> it's like any other job, really, Tannehill supported him as well. Put the puzzle pieces together. These are the guys that are working with him on a day-to-day basis. Ah. And it's something that we called out during his tenure here, Sam, that he was focusing too much on his play calling as an offensive guru and not being a head coach. And that's where the guys like Andre Branch, um, Jordan Phillips, these guys are sending fucking laughing emojis as he gets fired. And Cam Wake's not backing him. And uh, Rashad Jones had problems with the coaching staff. Put the pieces together. He was a glorified offensive coordinator uh, that had the duties and head coaching ability. Sam, he was sitting on the sideline, fake drawing and taking notes while the defense was playing on the field. Like, why isn't he watching? He has to pay attention to this. Um, I just don't get it. I couldn't imagine not having your finger on a pulse. And I've seen this in the banking industry where there's a manager that's never been a teller before. And they won't go anywhere near the teller side. They have no idea. They're just initialing checks to approve it. It, it. it just pandemonium because all they're worried about sales and coaching the personal bankers, but they're not worried about like the front line there where it's very busy. There's a line, and they have no idea what to do. They have no idea what to do. And guess what? Those tellers have zero respect for that kind of manager because they don't know what they're going through and what they're what's in their shoes, and they're giving them raises and uh, possible corrective action based on things they have no idea what they're talking about. No one will respect that, and Adam Gase did a real bad job of even hiding that he was paying attention to the defense. It was, it was brutal to watch. Yeah, I mean, he, he really didn't care about the defense at all. I mean, we talked about it a couple of times where over the last couple of weeks in particular, cameras caught him on the bench during defensive and special teams plays. He just he checked out. I mean, he, he knew it was over. Um, I think the players knew it was over. And I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, fans like myself, who's been a lifelong fan, who does a podcast with you, also a lifelong fan, kind of checked out as well. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it on on a on a bigger in a bigger picture i've always said this <clears throat> individually human beings are smart 
in a group, they're very stupid, which is why I do comedy, because um, I can get away with saying dumb shit and people will laugh at it. Now, the the other side of that, in a group mentality, in a mob mentality, if you will, humans' uh, instincts are heightened. You know, they are very aware of what's going on around them. They can they can kind of smell the sense of what is going on. And I think on some sort of level, um, us as fans, I don't think you and I are alone in that we were just kind of done with this season, you know, before the season was officially over. I think we could see it. We could see it in the players we could feel it as a fan base i feel like in a mob mentality we just kind of picked up on everything else that was being put out by the team by the coach by the players by the owner and uh i really do think it was time to move on uh, the question i have about adam Gase because i, I do want to move on to miami dolphins related stuff here before too long Yikes, <clears throat> what do you, what, things. yeah what do you think <laughs> What do you think? Uh, what do you think his legacy ultimately is going to be? You know, a few years from now, when we look back, so we look at Joe Philbin and we joke about picking up the picking up the candy wrappers and you know cleaning up and being the janitor of the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they, he's kind of been a joke. Um, you look at some of the other coaches that we've had, like Cam Cameron, and we know what his legacy is as a one and done. You know, Ted Ginn and his family. Fail forward fast. Fail forward fast. What is the legacy for Adam Gase, both positive and negative? What do you think is the best thing he did here in three years? And what do you think the most egregious or negative thing that Adam Gase did here? Well, and I'm going to use what I said to my dad. We had a pretty heated discussion about this because he was a pro-Gase guy before he got let go. And I'm sure he still is. And I can say that because he doesn't listen to my show or support me. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> Thanks, he, Dad. Yeah, he he liked to compare him to Bill Belichick and say that Belichick, no one likes to play for him. He's a dick. He's dry. Like Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but he's winning. And that's the difference. Like if you're not winning, that shit gets old fast. Mm -hmm. And these are men. These are guys with families, with houses, with bills. They're professionals. If you're at work and you show up and you do your job and then after work your boss publicly has a press conference and calls out your work, it's going to piss you off, especially if you're not doing your job. If you're 30th in offense – and like we're not scoring points and our defense is 30th on defense and Matt Burke's getting praised and uh, is able to make these excuses. And I want to emphasize that, Sam, because that's his legacy excuses. He came out with the injury excuses with the players are uh, doing their job excuses. And he he'll be quick to fire Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner and Jordan Phillips and get rid of Landry and Ajayi. Um but we've said it before. These guys talk to each other. There, There is word that came out that Kenyon Drake uh, was demanding a trade if Gase was st- uh, staying on as head coach. Yeah. Drake was underutilized, like yep. critically underutilized. And Frank Gore had a good season. He was, he was fine and dandy. But on the flip side of calling Adam Gase a genius, Kenyon Drake is not being used on the wheel routes, on slants. There's so many times with the technology we have now, now we'll see Ryan Tannehill. He gets sacked nine times in the Viking game. It, it's on sack seven or eight, and it's third and seven, maybe third and eight. And the camera is behind Tannehill, so you can kind of see the pocket like he sees it. We're dropping him back to a five-step drop, mm. and four receivers are all running 10-plus yard routes. He's getting sacked before they're even looking for the ball. Yeah. What is Adam Gase doing? Like, why aren't we running slants or drag routes or real quick passes? Like, where is that? He was almost too smart to re-overthink uh, uh, think things over and trusted his linemen when he really shouldn't have. And that's the legacy he has is that he was authoritative 
but didn't produce, and that's going to get your ass kicked out the door. And when you make excuses and don't let the players use those same excuses, you're gone. Yeah, you know, here's what I here's what I liken it to. Uh, he's an architect. You know, if, if this was construction, he's an architect. He has these wild ideas that he can put down on paper, and they look like you know beautiful structures, or in this case, beautiful plays that should work in theory, but. But an architect doesn't actually do any of the structural drawings. They just make it look pretty. They hand it over to a structural engineer to say, hey, <laughs> make my vision a reality. And then a structural engineer has to go through and put all the, you know, the, the, the beams in and all the studs and the foundation and make sure that all the, you know, uh, forces that are going to hit that building will actually work. I mean, and that's what your staff is supposed to do. That's what your offensive coordinator does, your offensive line coach, your quarterbacks coach, your wide receivers. Those are the structural engineers if he is the architect. And then you also need, you know, your actual contractors, the people that go out there and build stuff. And that's those who your players are. Um, but Adam Gase, even though he could design a play, I don't think he could call a play. I think he tried to be the architect and the 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 structural engineer, if you will. And usually that doesn't work. You know, you usually need to delegate that out to somebody else. And he just refused. And I think for me, I really, I really appreciated the creativity that he brought when it came to um, offensive play design. I really did not appreciate the offensive play calling, especially this year. I thought it was really, really bad. And mm -hmm. I think overall, when we look at this through a, a wider lens and we give it more time, we're really going to look at this Adam Gase era as a missed opportunity. Um, you know, maybe maybe we put maybe we put the cake in the oven too early, um, but uh, I, I I do think he'll have success elsewhere. Um, I think he has he has the right mentality to be a head coach. He just hasn't applied it correctly. Is probably the best way that I can. Um, say it uh, at least right now. So uh, I think his legacy is going to be one of of being um, creative, but not practical. If that makes mm. sense, makes plenty of sense. And now he's uh, interviewing with the New York Jets, and he might end up being the winner of all this because his first two interviews are with Arizona and the New York Jets, both of whom got quarterbacks ahead of us in the draft last year. So, well, look, I hope he goes to Cleveland. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but can you imagine him in Cleveland <laughs> with Jarvis Landry, of all people, uh, reunited with Adam Gase, and then he gets his Baker Mayfield uh, pet project, and then, of course, the Cleveland Browns play the Miami Dolphins next year, uh, but as do the New York Jets, obviously, twice. Um, that would be interesting. I, I think Adam Gase will find another head coaching gig, whether it be next year or if he goes and you know takes an OC role for a couple of years and then moves on. Um, but you know what? That's the thing with Adam Gase. His, he's going to find another job. I mean, if I could quote what, whoever it was, Rob Ryan or Rex Ryan, go ahead and fire me. I'll find another job in two minutes. That's what he's going to happen yeah. with Adam Gase. His, his star is not any uh, less bright for being fired by the Miami Dolphins, unfortunately. I think the Miami Dolphins have a reputation of, of maybe being coach killers on, on some level. So uh, where do you think Adam Gase ends up? Do you think he ends up with the Jets? Well, I'm not sure about the Jets, uh, just because. Uh, well, I mean, they have, the young, they have some young talent. And they do have a quarterback and a high draft pick. Uh, Arizona and there uh, are good to me. M my one thing with him and with the Jets that I'm not feeling for him is he hates the fucking media. 
He hates yeah. the questions. He hates the attention. There's no bigger media than the New York media. So Arizona, I saw somebody say it on Twitter. That would be the perfect spot for him where no one's talking about that team. He's way out west. Like uh, he's in a literally in a desert. So that, that might be the best bet for him. And they're not really expecting much. It just I, I think it all depends on if he gets multiple offers, what he wants to choose. Um and, and I don't know if he was really intrigued by Sam Darnold and wants to coach him. Like, who knows? Maybe that'll be enough because he does love his quarterbacks. But it's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of head coaching vacancies, and he is a hot name, like you said, because um, we're known as coach killers nationally and publicly. So it's not going to get a big rise out of how bad he did. It's going to be more that the Dolphins mismanage his tenure. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Green Bay replacing Joe Philbin once again. And oh, by the way, he's got a <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback to go whisper to, uh, which would probably make him look that much smarter than uh, than he already thinks he is. Uh, but speaking of coaching vacancies, enough about Adam Gase, that loser. Uh, we're going to talk about what and who the Miami Dolphins should uh, bring in as their next head coach because one of those coaching vacancies is us. Now, um, Chris, I, I, we ran a poll on Twitter at Perfectville Pod. Uh, we got close to a 1,000 votes. I threw it out wow. there. Who, who will be the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins? And I put Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, Rex Ryan, or other. And overwhelmingly, other won, I think, with 58% of the vote. John Harbaugh was second. Jim Harbaugh was third. And I don't even know if Rex Ryan got a vote other than from himself and his brother. Um <laughs> So that being said, um, I do think it will probably be other uh, looking at the candidates that uh, are linked to the Miami Dolphins right now. Um, where do you think the Miami Dolphins go for a head coach, either a name or just the type of coach that they should be getting right now? Well, I found it interesting that Stephen Ross uh, was pretty brutally honest. I actually liked it and did appreciate that he came out and was like, look, what we've been doing isn't right. It's a definition of insanity. So I'm not going to go out there and jump at the big top offensive whiz. It's just not working that way. We need a leader of men. We need somebody to come in here. Uh, take control of both sides of the ball, hint, hint, mm. um, and really just take control of this franchise. And he also did a really good job, and I think this is going to make our job more desirable. I, I fully disagree, by the way, that people say we're the least desirable job out of the eight vacancies. That's not true at all. There's no way that we are the least desirable vacancy. You've got Chris Greer, that is the GM, and Ross Instead of and we and we criticized this when Gase got hired. I, I think I remember in the first episode, however long it was, where there might be too many chefs in the kitchen, and it was like it's going to cause a problem because there was a hierarchy issue. Like Tannenbaum reports to Ross, but Greer reports to Tannenbaum. It was just too much. Greer reports to Ross. Period. End of story. He's the guy. So that's going to be good in some aspects where you know where you're going to and who you're going to work with. And he's well-respected in the NFL ranks, really well-respected. Um, Ross did a really good job, too, of keeping Chris Greer. He's the only African-American GM in the NFL, um, which is good PR. We need that right now. Um, and he's also interviewing, I think, three or four three, four, or five African-American coaches. So we're not just doing the Rooney, Rooney rule, messing around and getting them out of here. We're truly looking deep. And we're looking at guys like defensive coordinators for the Seahawks, former defensive coordinators for the Seahawks, and like passing game um, coaches. Uh, I think it's Keith, it's Kevin Richards or something like that from the Cowboys. Um, we're looking at longtime defensive coordinator Vic Vangio. I, I hope I say his name right. We know we never say his, their names right. Uh, we're looking at these guys that are well-respected in the league that will come into a locker room and have been around, and I, I like that. And, Ross, the number one thing that's going to make this uh, job 
desirable, Sam, is he said there's no pressure. He understands we might go 3-13 and next year. He just wants to get this shit right. And when you say that, the coach knows he's not coming into a fucking barn fire and he has to put it out within 10 minutes. He knows mm. he's going to have his time to set his staff, get the team together. We have pieces. Like, I don't care what anybody says. There's a lot of young talent on this roster with Xavier Howard, uh, with Minka Fitzpatrick, with um, uh, with our Stills and Gasecki, and the list goes on. We, we really need to get a guy in here that believes in this franchise, and if we do that – we finally might be able to go in the right direction. Well, if you look at the tea leaves here, I mean, Chris Greer now has ultimate say and power over everything football related. Um, I don't know if that entices a John Harbaugh or a Jim Harbaugh to come here unless you pay them right. a lot, a lot of money. Uh, their current situations. I mean, John Harbaugh's in the playoffs again. Uh, you know, <laughs> if he can't figure it out with Baltimore, uh, you have to ask yourself, well, why the hell not? And, and Baltimore is considered one of those organizations that is uh, successful year in and year out. Um, their organization works, whether it's because of Ozzie Newsom or somebody else or, or John Harbaugh, I'm not sure. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, he's been at Michigan four years, just got smoked by the Gators. But he is, um, I think now that he's there, been there for four years, Joe Shad or somebody else had, had pointed out, maybe it was Lisa, that uh, he no longer has a buyout. So he might be free and clear to go. But is Stephen Ross, who is an alum of Michigan, who's got his name on the School of Business at Michigan, um, who has uh, who's probably the biggest athletic booster they have at Michigan, willing to take Jim Harbaugh, who has turned that program around and made it much better than it was four years ago, and put him in charge of just coaching the Miami Dolphins? I don't think he's willing to do that anymore, which kind of leads me to what I want to talk about with Stephen Ross. I, I think Stephen Ross is a good owner. And I think these moves this week have solidified my opinion on that. I think when he started, he was very, very green. He made a lot of mistakes. And I've questioned on the show to you and others, Chris, how can a guy who's so successful, who's a billionaire, one of the richest men in the world, uh, continue to fail, not just at you know having a losing football team, but a bad organization? Because that, that map that you just put out there with Tannenbaum and Greer and Gase was a mess. It's an absolute mess. It's an organizational nightmare. And I don't know how Stephen Ross, who prides himself on on some part being a good businessman, if not all of it, allow that to happen inside of a business that he runs. And I think over time, he has learned um, how to be a good businessman within the NFL ranks. Here's what I think happened. I think Stephen Ross, when he bought this team, it was like, oh, by the way, I bought a thing. Almost like you yeah, buy a, a hobby. Yeah, and, and he surrounded himself with people that he thought were good football people. And as he learned more about the business side of football and what's expected from an owner and what you need to do and not to do, he learned that the people that he thought were good football people really weren't good fo football people. They were taking advantage of him. And I think he's gotten to a point now where he himself is a decent business football business person and understands the difference between a good football person and somebody who he thought was a good football person. So I think he is getting it right. I think Chris, Chris Greer is the right guy uh, to run. On this, but Chris Greer is going to pick the coach. Chris Greer is going to get the guy that has the same vision that he has. That's going to utilize the talent that he has drafted. And I don't think that's a John Harbaugh or a Jim Harbaugh. I do think that's somebody that like, you know, a younger coach, maybe Darren Rizzi, who is getting a mm. lot of run from current and former Dolphins players. I mean, I saw Damian Williams, who's now on the Chiefs, say that the whole reason he plays the way he plays is because of Darren Rizzi. Uh, Jakeem wow. Grant has come out and said, yeah, he said it on Instagram. He says, the whole reason I am who I am and have had the success that I've had in this league is because of Darren Rizzi. He came out and said that today. Uh, Jakeem Grant already came out and said, you know that Darren Rizzi is the real guy, right? I mean, this is the guy that needs to do it. Jason Taylor, Hall of Famer. Wow, not, I didn't not, see that. 
yeah, not two-time Hall of Famer, but Hall of Famer nonetheless, <laughs> Jason Bitch. Taylor has come out and said Darren Rizzi should be the guy. Um, you have a lot of players. Brian Hartline are, came out. Well, He's the wide go. receiver coach. Meowgatron. Yeah, Mialgatron, and he's out there tipping the cap right there to Darren Rizzo. These are guys that are um, – I wouldn't I – mean, Jason Taylor, of course, is legendary status, but uh, even in meme formats, they're legendary in our eyes. These these are guys that are big deals and literally played special teams and played under a guy like Darren Rizzi, and they've seen head coaches. Uh, you know, Brian Hartline's been under Urban Meyer, and he's been under um, a multitude of coaches on the Dolphins and then the Browns. You've got a guy like Damian Williams who right now is playing for Andy Reid, and he is like clamoring for Darren Rizzi. So, and Jason Taylor, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, and he didn't play special teams. So, like, he loves Darren Rizzi just from like kind of indirectly working with him. I mean, this guy is getting a lot of buzz, Sam, and I'm glad you brought him up because he is my dark horse for this job, mm. man. He has been with us. Multiple coaches have come in and out and have come and gone. He has seen their failures. He has seen what they did to get them fired, and he has just been sticking around, watching from the shadows, and he might be primed for the pick, and he's, he's focused, he's furious, but he also can teach and can coach and tell you why he's yelling, and that might be the difference between him and like a Dan Campbell who mm. just kind of just punches holes through walls and gets fucking pumped up that gets old but if Darren Rizzi's screaming but then grabs you puts his hands on your shoulders and like dude we've coached you over and over again to stay on this side of the hash mark and you went on this side and this is why we do it they're like okay it makes sense and he goes love you get out there and make it better in the next play that's a guy you want to play for he is a dark horse for me well and the thing you mentioned Dan Campbell there's some people out there saying hey Dan Campbell should get some run he's been uh, over in uh, with the Saints I think recently and been having some success working with Sean Payton and that group there when Dan Campbell was here he motivated the guys for a couple of weeks but the guy he really relied on I, I can remember to this day he didn't know when to throw a flag or not he had um, Darren Rizzi basically in his hip pocket pulling out the red flag saying yes you want to throw this now and challenge this play I mean he really looked to Darren Rizzi to be that assistant head coach that I mean he he really was um, leaning on Darren Rizzi which if that's the case and Darren Rizzi is available and he's already in your organization and Chris Greer if he likes him you know he can kind of say hey you know I'm giving you your shot here this is what we're looking for make these guys better and then surround yourselves with a staff that can you know be specialists offensive and defensive specialists um, that might work I mean, now the question I would have is if you get Darren Rizzi, who's going to be your special teams coach? Because that guy's been here through like five <laughs> different regimes. And I have a name that I'm thinking of that could be the special teams coach. But I'm curious as to where does your mind go if Ooh. Darren Rizzi becomes the head coach? Who becomes your special teams coach to replace Darren Rizzi? John Denny. When he finally bing, retires. Bing, bing. I knew that's what you were thinking. God damn it. That is exactly where it needs to be. Uh, Darren Rizzi would be promoted to the head coach, and you look at John Denny and say, it's time, old man, but you're still part of the Dolphins. You're still going to be here. You're now top 10 in all-time games played consecutively. Time to retire. You let two two balls get blocked by my punter or for my punter against the Patriots. Let's put you out back, old yeller, and you can become our special teams coach and, uh, you know, show everyone how to get how to do it. I, I would love that on some level, although it would kind of scare me because I don't know who would actually be our long snapper at that point. Maybe uh, maybe he could be a player coach. Yeah, he's a player coach. Like, the, oh, my God. All I pictured when you said that, you put him out the pasture, is like Bilbo Baggins getting on the boat um, and, and the, just disappearing into the afterlife. Like, that, it's time to say goodbye, old man, or like Happy Gilmore and Abe Lincoln and Chubbs Peterson are waving in, from yeah. heaven. 
There's there's John Denny finally in his career ninety two gets retired, but yeah that that's 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 my whole thing is who you're going to bring in to be your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and yeah. um, what kind of philosophy does he have? I know he's fiery and he's pumped up and coaches special teams, but the one thing you were talking about and I thought of is. Chris Greer, before being the general manager and getting into this, was a scout. And when you're a scout, there's not one guy you love more than a special teams coach that takes your under-the-radar six-round pick and turns him to a superstar. So they obviously have a bond together. There has to be the one there where Chris Greer has set up a Chris McCain or something, and and uh, or or like a Damian Williams or or even yeah. like a you know Patrick Cobb back in the day. Those types of guys that are like no names. What can you get out of them for me? A Brandon Boldness and Norris Perry, and uh, even a Mike Holer, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is one of the other guys that came out. He's another. He's a Pro Bowler again for the Giants at special teams. This guy is just uh, lights up when he talks about Darren Rizzi. He made a whole paragraph post on Twitter. These are Pro Bowl guys at their position, and he's their coach. And uh, Uh, Of course, they're going to go to bat for their guy. Well, I shouldn't even say of course because not a lot of guys are going to bat for guys like Adam Gase. So obviously he's doing something right with all kinds of different age groups, ethnicities. Like he's just – everybody, Jason Taylor, Brian Hartline, Damian Williams, Michael Thomas, superstars, Hall of Famers all the way down to like literally plays three plays a game. Mike Holes, they love this guy, and that is the sign of a really good head coach. So if it's not Darren Rizzi, then where do you go, Chris? Who who who's number two on that list? Uh, well, I don't even know if Darren Rizzi's number one. You said he's a dark horse, and I would agree with. I'd kind of put him over to the side, and I really do think the players speaking out gives him more weight than he would otherwise have uh, in the eyes of Stephen Ross and maybe the fan base in general. Um, but who else is out there? I mean, because it's very rare to have a special teams coach jump up to head coach. Um, so well, that aside, and, and really funny about that. The person that people are rumoring and even discussing on Dolphins Twitter right now to trade two first-round picks for is John Harbaugh. That's exactly what he did. He went from a special teams coach to head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, and he won a fucking Super Bowl. So now, yeah, can he do that also? I don't know. But there's a really good real-world example very recently of someone doing that. But it is rare. You're right. Well, and look, when you trade for a head coach, uh, history actually tells us that the team that gets the head coach usually comes out ahead. And look no further than John Gruden going from the Raiders to the Buccaneers and then beating the Raiders in the Super Bowl the very next year. Um, Don Shula, I believe, was traded to the Miami Dolphins from the Baltimore Colts. Um, it's happened. There's precedent. Now, I don't know if you trade two first-rounders for John Harbaugh, but in a weak quarterback draft, which we haven't even talked about Ryan Tannehill's swan song here for the Miami Dolphins, but we're going to be getting a new quarterback next year in a weak quarterback draft and maybe not the best free agent period for quarterbacks does it make sense to just kind of say we're going to sign a veteran we're going to sign a young guy we're going to draft a project quarterback second third fourth round we're going to trade that first rounder to baltimore in 2019 take our chances and come back and take a look at the quarterback field in 2020 uh, knowing full well that you may just bottom out in 2019 because you don't have a quarterback but you can get your head coach and still get a chance at one of the really, really good quarterbacks in 2020 and have a guy who's known how to win with young quarterbacks, with old quarterbacks, and with no quarterbacks in John Harbaugh. Does it make sense to cash in one first rounder instead of two? And if that's a possibility, maybe one, if, if he's, bought in he's into it i i I gotta know why baltimore doesn't want to resign him like that's my thing there's a huge red flag like you're successful you built the defense you've done it with any kind of quarterback we've thrown at you and um 
there it makes me feel like this is Ozzy Newsom's doing and we can do this with anybody else and you're not the reason why we're successful and it scares me to trade a first round pick where yes there's not a good quarterback draft but we need to go out and get somebody at 13 we can go get a guard we can get a defensive end we need something we need help still around the team it's not like we're just a quarterback away so to give up a top 15 talent for John Harbaugh, who might be coming here for the money. It might be an inner joke at this point by the inner circles of the NFL where you just go to Miami to get paid. And I, I think somebody said it perfectly on, for, uh, on Twitter about Mark Richt. We, Miami Hurricanes was his 401k. Like he just, that was his retirement. He knew he was going out. He's, instead of retiring, I'll coach a couple of meaningless years. I don't give a shit about. I'll check out, and and I'm paid for it. Like I, there, I don't know. It, it terrifies me trading a first round pick for a coach. It's just, uh, and and they're not only just. It's not like it's Bill Belichick we're talking about here. He they've the Ravens are constantly in a wild card, mm-hmm. and. They're in a very tough division, just like we are. But my God, like he got gifted Ray Lewis, and they got Eric Weddle, and he's got T Sizzle to uh, Terrell Suggs for for like the last forty eight years. Like this, he had Ed Reed for God's sake when he took over. Like he had a really good defense to build his legacy on and get an opportunity to get there. Uh, but there's got to be a reason that organization that knows him front and back, day in and day out. They're like, eh, yeah, I guess we'll just take a first round pick for him. Well, like if we're he- gonna give it up. Why, why are they going to take it? Well, here's the, and you mentioned the, uh, the guy's name that I wanted to bring up with regards to John Harbaugh. I think Ozzie Newsom's retiring, and it might be very much uh, the, the, the case of Dan Marino when Jimmy Johnson retired. I don't know if John Harbaugh wants to play for somebody other than Ozzie Newsom because he knows him so well, and Ozzie Newsom is or was or uh, continues to be so good at his job in terms of finding talent and getting talent to yeah. you know m- uh, meet the coach's expectations. If Ozzie Newsom's out, John Harbaugh might be like, this isn't the place I want to be anymore. But I also don't know if John Harbaugh comes to the Miami Dolphins and has zero um, control over over the roster. I, I just don't know if that's enticing for him. Um, again, I think it lends itself to, to you know candidates that uh, maybe are looking for their first ho- head coaching gig. You know, you got the guy like um, uh, the, the offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got people from the Cowboys that are look you know that are becoming hot commodities here. Um, if it's not John Harbaugh, if it's not Jim Harbaugh, if it's not Darren Rizzi, if it's not Dan Campbell, I, I don't know where we go. Do we go defensive? Do we go offensive? Is there somebody that I'm just not thinking of that we should be taking a look at right now from the college ranks? Are we done with doing college coaches to the pros? I mean, uh, I, I just right now there's so much disarray for the Miami Dolphins, and we're not going to know anything until probably close to after the playoffs are done uh, as to which direction we're going to go, and then from there we can start to maybe get some insight as to where we're going to go with player personnel um it's just it's uh like you said it's it's might be at the lowest point in a very long time for the miami dolphins yeah looking at the tea leaves uh, to steal your phrase very defensive we're looking at a lot of three four maybe we're looking to switch to a three four um and with our speed and our linebackers that we have and uh utilizing minka and McDonald and Rashad, I'm not sure. I know that if I was a defensive coach, I'd be licking my chops at a lot of the talent on our defense, which was historically bad this year. And I don't know if it's more of a scheme thing and Matt Burke or if the players didn't give a shit anymore. I mean, you got Rashad Jones literally benching himself midseason. Like, the season wasn't even out of their hands yet. This whole season was a nightmare, Sam. And I don't know where we go. I'm like, like you said, like we mentioned earlier, it's early. It, it, it's. It's early in the off season and already 
there's just that disarray there and that disconnect where I just don't even feel like I trust that they're going to get it right with regardless of who they bring in. So um, if it's a Vic uh, Fangio or yeah. uh, somebody who, by the way, Adam Gase wanted really bad. So yeah. like, do we do we want him? <laughs> like Adam Gase wanted him. Like what the hell? Well, they, look, I, I will say this: it's Adam Gase wanted Vic Fangio, who's a very good defensive coordinator. He wanted Vic Fangio to basically be the head coach of the defense so that he wouldn't have to deal right. with it. He didn't get that because Stephen Rossford reportedly did not want him to spend a lot of money on a defensive coordinator, probably because he expected his head freaking coach to be more involved on the defense and you know it, being in that organization so as well. So instead, Adam Gase goes and gets uh, a linebackers coach in Matt Burke and says, well, you're in charge of it. And Matt Burke, I mean, <laughs> the more that comes out about Adam Gase's personality makes me think, well, shit, Matt Burke never had a prayer. He didn't have guidance from his head coach necessarily. He's just out there like, uh, <laughs> fucking hit him. Yeah, Kiko, go ahead and drop into coverage, but blitz at the same time. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. So, you know, maybe you do get somebody like Vic Fangio, but somebody else pointed out he's 60 years old. He's never been a head coach before. Does that scare people oh, away? Jesus. You know, he's not a guy that you build around for the next 15 years. I mean, he, you're the league is skewing younger for its head coaches. Look no further than, than Sean McVay for the LA, uh, yeah, LA Rams. Uh, so I don't really know, man. It, it, it really depends on, um, Chris Greer and what he's looking at because Stephen Ross has made it known that it goes Stephen Ross, Chris Greer, head coach. It's a very streamlined, linear process. You don't have all these, you know, uh, spider webs of who reports to who and who's, you know, sideways reporting to somebody else. And I like that approach. I think it's simple and it's something that we need right now. Um, but we really just don't know at this stage of the game where we're going to go with head coach. We know who our GM is. We know who our owner is, uh, but we don't know the head coach, and we certainly don't know who our quarterback's going to be uh, going into 2019 and beyond. And I kind of wanted to shift focus here, Chris, unless you got anything else to say about the head coaching position. Shift away, my friend. Well, you know, look, we're jumping the gun here a little bit, but uh, all the reports – are coming out saying that Ryan Tannehill has played his last game for the Miami Dolphins as the starting quarterback. Uh, he's scheduled to make uh, more money than I think uh, everyone listening to the show combined is next year. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, I think the Adam Gase stain on Ryan Tannehill has made it very, very hard for him to go back into that locker room as one of the guys, uh, considering he was basically Adam Gase's uh, you know, pet project. Um, the talent isn't there. I think we've known that for a while. He's a middling quarterback when it comes to the talent. Um, the injuries have started to build up. You know, he he's missed 25 games over the last three seasons. He's 30 years old. He's starting to go bald. Um, he even got his <laughs> wife fat. There's really no reason for him to be here anymore. Um, so Ryan Tannehill is going to move on. I don't know where Ryan Tannehill goes. I have nothing really bad to say about Ryan Tannehill, and I wish him all the luck in the world, except for when he is up against the Miami Dolphins uh, or if he goes to one of the AFC East teams. But that leaves a gaping, gaping hole uh, behind the gaping holes that his offensive line left for him to get hit by defensive players over the last seven years. Uh, it's not going to be Brock Osweiler. It's not going to be David Fales. Who knows if it's going to be anybody who's currently on the roster right now. Where do the Miami Dolphins go in 2019 for a quarterback? Chris Cole. Hmm. 
I have no idea. Like, it just, it literally, it's just so fucking, I feel like I'm in a quicksand and the more I talk about it or the more I struggle, I just sink more. There's just no hope at all as far as, uh, very recent, soon. Um, like you said, 2020, 2021, yeah, there's that Lawrence from Clemson, there's Tua from Alabama, there's Fromm from Georgia. These guys are, the next Sam Darnolds and Josh Rosens and Josh Allens that are going to be just like hyped up as top three, four picks in the NFL draft. Um, the only guy I can think of in this draft is Kyler Murray, but if he does play football, if he plays football, he's going before pick 13. We have like four teams ahead of us at least that have QB needs. Um, so we'd have to mortgage, I would rather at least trade for a player like that, trade up to get him than a head coach at this point. But uh, then you're mortgaging your future and doing the exact opposite of what Stephen Ross just said we're doing. So there's just no hope. I have no idea. There's no quarterback. Uh, Haskins from Ohio State, I doubt, falls to 13. Um, there's not really anybody that's coming out that might be a second, third round, um, uh, Russell Wilson, or even a shitty, uh, except against us, Kirk Cousins, um, that, that we can draft and possibly put our hat on. Luke Falks on our team, and he was okay in college, I guess. Uh, it, it all depends on the coach and what they plan on doing, but I don't see any free agents, trade options, um, or anybody in the draft that gets my boner going because uh, I, I just feel like we're, it's going to be a stopgap uh, next year for sure. I got I got one name that I'm going to throw out there Ooh. Um, that I think – could entice some people to say this could be our guy for two or three years as we develop somebody underneath. There's a certain player who led his team last year as a backup quarterback to the Super Bowl. Um, he mm. currently took that same team into the playoffs when the starting quarterback in front of him, Carson Wentz, got hurt yet again. And, of course, I'm talking about Nick Foles. And Nick Foles is going to be 30 years old in 2019, same age as Ryan Tannehill. Um, here's the difference. Nick Foles is about to make $20 million in a base salary for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2019 if he's on the roster. That's not going to happen. Uh, they can cut him, and the dead cap is 1.8. So <clears throat> the Philadelphia Eagles have to make a decision. They're either going to have to do something with Carson Wentz or they're going to have to do something with Nick Foles. Something tells me they're going to keep Carson Wentz and let go of the 30-year-old veteran. Nick Foles is going to make some money this offseason. Um, Nick Foles is going to be looking for a starting quarterback gig in 2019. Uh, just so happens that the Miami Dolphins are in need of good, solid quarterback play and are in need of somebody who's probably going to understand that they're going to be the starting quarterback for two, maybe three years tops while they look for a long-term investment through the draft. I could see Nick Foles coming to the Miami Dolphins, making some money, playing the way Nick Foles plays, and uh, going from there. And I, lo I love that, and that's one name I didn't even think about. And I do like Nick Foles. He's a good quarterback. When I watch him play, which isn't often, I'll be be honest about that, but when I do watch him play, he makes all the throws. He's accurate mid uh, mid and deep. He doesn't. He's not afraid to take the shot down the field. Um, but my thing is with that, Sam, is that I feel like we're 9-7 and seven and 8-8 eight and eight with Nick Foles. <laughs> we're the same fucking team so in the next three years we want to rebuild we'll never get that opportunity it's going to be the same story and a movie over and over again we have the talent enough to be 
seven and nine, nine and seven, maybe sneak into the playoffs if the Patriots have a bad year, which they don't. I, I, I don't know. I it just I feel like bringing in a veteran uh, like him. I, I like Nick Foles, and that's why I am worried. I feel like he's good enough to where we can, if he's healthy, actually have success. We might be a wild card team in Tennessee. Are we going to win a Super Bowl? If not, then we're the same place that we've been for the last fucking 25, 30 years. Yeah, I understand that. But I, I will say this. In the five games that he's played for the Eagles this year, he's got a quarterback rating of 96. His completion percentage is 72%. Wow. I mean, he has won a Super Bowl. Um, and he got the Philadelphia Eagles back to the playoffs when it didn't look like he was going to be able to. He went 4-1 and one as the starter in 2018. He went 2-1 and one as a starter in 2017 during the regular season. 1-0 and oh for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2016. Um, the guy's overall record as a career starting quarterback, 26-18. and 18. Okay, so the guy, the guy knows how to win. He continues to win. He's never really gotten. Uh, I, I can't say that he hasn't gotten a fair shake because that's not fair. He he's been in the league a long time. He's been playing for a decent amount of time. But I think this is a guy. If you go to him and you're honest and say, "Look, man, we're going to guarantee your contract for the first three years. You're going to get a three year guarantee. I mean, call it two years. You're going to get guarantees for the first two years. You're going to make you know good good money. You're going to be the starting quarterback. But keep in mind, we will be looking for a younger option to groom behind you, and that could be as early as 2019. That could be as you know 2020, or maybe after that. I mean, I, I think he does give you the best option to at least have a fighting chance. Um, is he Tom Brady? No, but he is somebody who knows how to win in this league, and he's somebody that's most likely going to be available. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that. That's, that's one option that's out there. I don't know if he is the answer well, or if that would be you know, worth going after. But I actually like it. The more I think about it, if you think about us having seven wins this year uh, with li- literally everyone's injured, like everyone's out, I will give Gase the benefit of the doubt. Like, we lost everyone. It's been ridiculous, the injuries this year. And thank God we got rid of our conditioning staff too. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Um, I think they were like literally planting like bone brittle in their food to like make them weaker. I don't know what the hell is happening. But if you bring in a Vic Fangio to be this head coach also like make sure the defense is stout with the team we have and you get a healthy Nick Foles for 16 games we won seven with this horrendous luck that we had this year I don't know also we win 9 10 11 games like it's not out of the ordinary and the one cool thing is about Nick Foles he would bring respect to our organization, I think, with the type of player that's coming in. Where we're no longer the laughing stock or like the joke. I feel like 2008 was really nice when everybody was talking good about how good of a quarterback Chad Pennington is and how well it helped our franchise be more of a hey, you can always believe in the Dolphins when you got a quarterback like Chad Pennington back there. Like that'll bring that prominence back. That makes you feel good as a fan. Where like every game you have an opportunity to win. Yeah, and you know we will be talking about the Miami Dolphins roster in depth uh, later down the road here in Perfectville. Right now, we're just kind of spitballing some ideas. We're kind of licking our wounds after a bad season mm. uh, and and gutting the front office, gutting the coaching staff, and uh, possibly losing our starting quarterback. You, the citizens of Perfectville, know exactly how we feel. You're right there with us in this town that is currently on fire. Um, so we're just kind of throwing some ideas out there and just trying to figure out where do we go because right now the only data point we have is Chris Greer. And everything else is up in the air right now, and it feels like it's going to be that way for just a little while longer. Um, Chris, anything else about Ryan Tannehill, Adam Gase, Stephen Ross, Chris Greer, Rex Ryan, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Vic Fangio, Darren Rizzi, Jason Taylor, Damian Williams, Jarvis Landry, or anybody else that you'd like to talk about right here and now? Well, I will just say real quick, um, I do appreciate Ryan Tannehill also. 
I know you had mentioned it. We we were kind of we we're big fans of his. Um, I think in the off season we're excited about him in year two, technically year three of Adam Gase's reign, um, coming back from injury. He he's a tough guy, and he has done nothing wrong for this organization. Yeah, he has done nothing wrong off the field. He's been nothing but class. He has been um, someone that has played pissed blood and played through just historically bad offensive lines protecting him, getting hit. Time and time again, helmets to the chest. I mean, just absolutely fucking raked over the coals. And all he does is step up and keep coming back the next play, limping, shoulder hurting. So if that is his last game uh, and he's never plays for us again, I, I, I'm i a fan of his regardless of where he goes because he's a good person and he's a good player, a good guy. It just didn't work out in Miami. And unfortunately, um, that's the case because it, there's nothing you can say bad about the guy. I hope he goes to Buffalo because it's proven that he can't win in Buffalo. So it'd be guaranteed eight losses a year for the Buffalo Bills. No, in all honesty, I agree with everything you just said. But where where does Ryan Tannehill go? Do you have any ideas to you know what makes the most amount of sense for Ryan Tannehill? New England, and he's going to back up Tom Brady. And when he retires, he's taking over Belichick's going to coach a few more years, and he's going to prove take one of our players yet again and um, do what we couldn't. Calling it now. You know, I, I actually think, you know, I just said Nick Foles going from Philadelphia to Miami. It almost makes a lot of sense for Ryan Tannehill to be the backup for Carson Wentz if he's willing to take that role and say, look, we know Carson gets hurt. You come in, you play your three games, you do whatever. And then uh, when you get hurt, Carson Wentz comes back and you guys just kind of tag in and tag out like you're the Legion of Doom or something. But uh, no, I could see that. I, I I almost think Ryan Tannehill goes somewhere in Texas, um, Dallas, Houston. They could probably use a solid backup uh, knowing yeah. that he'll probably go Jacksonville or maybe he just waits till Adam Gates finds somewhere and then just says hey man can uh can i come over and play so uh maybe he's on the jets maybe i think the colts should sign Tannehill to be lux backup um and then sign rg3 to be their third string quarterback too and (laughs) said that and brandon Weeding can be the qb coach bring them all in from that draft 48 years old you know i in all honesty shit man now that i think about it ryan Tannehill in arizona makes a whole lot of sense too i mean they don't know who they have with josh rosen uh sam bradford obviously wasn't going to be anything over there for any sort of you know long-term investment i could see a a 30-year-old ryan Tannehill being the uh you know the band-aid until they get josh rosen or somebody else one last team I'll name if Gase gets the the head coaching job, Green Bay to back up uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's had some injury history recently, and he's on his way. He's he's on the farther side of uh, thirty to where Tannehill could possibly you know be a replacement in a couple of years. If Ryan Tannehill goes to Green Bay, Green Bay hands down will not only have the most talent when it comes to the quarterback position in the league, they will also have the most talent when it comes to the wives of quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> that that would be a hot dinner date to watch those two couples go out there and uh, you know they can make passes at each other's wives and intercept them all they want and all that other fun stuff. <laughs> um, Chris, anything else you would like to talk about on this episode of Perfectville? I mean, we didn't really follow any format. We were just kind of bullshitting here, but uh, we had a lot to bullshit about. There's a lot going on in Miami right now. There's a, a lot of just changes, you know, as we talked about last year with the culture shock and the culture change. Uh, well, we got personnel change once again. Last year, we got rid of all the quote-unquote malcontents. This year, we're getting rid of all the coaching malcontents and front office malcontents. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if Mike Pouncey wouldn't mind coming back or maybe uh, maybe Jarvis Landry comes back and uh, and kind of bolsters up this uh, wide receiving core even more. Who knows? But uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm going to go get drunk thinking about how bad we are and how no future we have. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go check the uh, Dodgers baseball schedule because I might be uh, I might be watching a lot of baseball next year until this shit gets figured out. But uh, as always, we appreciate all you citizens of Perfectville hanging in there with us. Uh, sorry for being so negative, but we got some fun things coming up. Uh, 2019, man, we've got uh, we got the Finzies coming up, Chris, as you Ooh. know. Uh, we have uh, perhaps uh, we were kicking around the idea of having a Perfectville, the town of Perfectville fantasy football league for the upcoming season here in 2019, which could mm. be a lot of fun, uh, could allow for some of our citizens to get here on the show and talk crap to their opponent that same week. Uh, we have all kinds of things that we're working behind the scenes to see if we can get off the uh, get off the uh, the all mat there. But uh, we need a head coach first before we do any of this other shit. So with that being said. On behalf of Chris and DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network, I am Sam Marcu, and goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.